Hello everyone, my name's Steph, I'm one of the pastors here and um, today is, uh, uh, we're going to kick back into our series on prayer um, that we did over November. We're going to carry on throughout um, January. Make sure you're here next week. My friend Sujith will be with us preaching. Sujith, he's now based in Bury St Edmunds in Suffolk but he grew up in India and was part of a church that was uh, 35,000 strong, pretty much based on prayer. You know, So he's got some things to say about prayer. So he'll be with us next week. Do not miss it. Um, I've spent, I've getting to know him. He's a, he's a great guy, lovely, humble guy. I, I think he's going to connect really well here. Um, but when he speaks about prayer, faith just rises because he's seen God do incredible things through prayer. Um, Contrary to what Luke said, it was a brilliant announcement, Luke, but contrary to what he said, there's actually not loads of prayer meetings during Plan A prayer. We deliberately aren't. Um, what we've done is we've extended our normal times of prayer. So we normally pray on a Tuesday morning, we just made it longer. We normally pray on a Sunday morning from 10 past 10, but just said let's start at 10. So just extended that. And then we've put in one thing per midweek, although this week's our family meeting where we'll pray more than usual than we do at our family meetings, but there won't be another prayer meeting. So there's not loads, but here's something that we thought we'd also do is introduce on Friday that we would look to fast. We would look to learn how to fast together as a church. Um, I've never taught on fasting in 10 years at Rev. We probably made mention of it, but we've never taught on it. Um, but I want to teach on fasting today, uh, help you understand. We'll do a bit of Q&A at the end. So you, any questions you've got, you can ask. And uh, hopefully you'll go away feeling equipped and ready to fast, to join us together in fasting over the rest of this month on Friday. So we're calling Friday as fast day. So what does Christian fasting look like? Why do we do it? What difference does it make to the effectiveness of our prayers, if any? These are really important questions, really uh, important matters to look at. Um, so let's start um, just by looking at different kinds of fasting biblically. I'm going to pray, ask God to help me. Then we'll look at different kinds of fasting and we'll go through a journey, hopefully answering uh, some FAQs about fasting, but I'm sure there may be some others at the end we'll look at. So Father, thank you for the richness of life and everything involved in it. Thank you for food. Thank you for the blessing that it is, more than just sustenance, but the joy that it brings to our lives, food and drink. Uh, thank you that it's part of your creation. It's good. Um, but also thank you for fasting. And I pray that you just help us to be able to understand your word on this matter, that we would be really, really well taught uh, and equipped. Um, and we would know, we would understand what we can from your word about this slightly mysterious thing. Amen. Okay, so, what, so different kinds of fasting. You've got what they, what they call dry fasting, which is where you don't take food or liquids. Um, there's examples of this in the Bible. Moses in Deuteronomy 9, um, Esther calls the Jews to this kind of fast in um, Esther 4. Um, so literally no food or liquids. It, it, it can be done, um, not advisable over a long period of time, probably not advisable if you've never fasted before. So if fasting is new to you, I wouldn't encourage you on, on, on Fridays over January to go without food and liquid. But it, it can be done. You won't die. Um, but it, it's not. It's 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 kind of it, it's it's not basic. You know, it's it's not the best way to start fasting. Um, second kind, most common kind, is simply cutting out of food. 
so that you just drink water. This is the most common kind of fasting. Um, and I'm imagining, you know, when we, when we say we're going to fast, that's probably, generally speaking, what we're talking about, where you might decide to go without food at a mealtime in order to pray instead, or you may do so for a day or a number of days or a number of weeks. Okay, so again, there's plenty of um, helpful information and good books around on that, but that's the most common form of fasting. There's then what people call a Daniel fast, because um, in Daniel 10, we'll read about that later, Daniel fasted for three weeks from delicacies, if you like. He fasted from wine, he fasted from meat, um, and he also sort of neglected anointing himself. And so in, in that sense, the, the, the nice things of life, he went without uh, for three weeks. Now, I, I imagine, I'm, 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 this is implication, it's not explicit, but I imagine the reason that sort of fast was suitable over a three-week period is because three weeks is a long time. So you can fast food, uh, for, for three weeks and longer. I know people that have. It's just very difficult when you're still going about normal life. So it's, you know, because physically it takes its toll. And if you've got, if, if you've got a job, you've got little kids or whatever, you're busy studying, it's just very, very taxing to do that and to fast for a long period of time. So if you're going to go for a long one, something like a Daniel fast is a really good place to start. But these are the different kinds of fasts we see um, biblically, the three main kinds. Um, if you like. Um, the, the, the themes that come through with fasting are themes like mourning, um, humbling yourself, or the phrase used, afflicting your soul, or humbling yourself. Um, you see fasting when people repent, particularly in serious cases, you know, like when, um, when, 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 when judgment is kind of um, warm, judgment's coming, you find people often mourning and sackcloth and ashes and fasting and that kind of thing. So it's associated with repentance. Um, also associated with just earnest longing um, and also associated with key moments, key important spiritual moments of preparation or something like that. So throughout the Bible, they're the kind of times where you will find people fasting. Um, the Jews themselves as a people fasted corporately one day a year on the Day of Atonement. They would fast together. That was a fasting day for them. So we've got biblical precedent for corporate fasting. There's a place for it. There's a place for individual fasting where you're encouraged um, not to let everyone know you're doing it. And there's a place for corporate fasting where by nature of the fact it's corporate, we all know we're doing it. Okay? And there's, there's, there's biblical precedent for that. Um, also in the Jewish history, after the exile, they actually added four more days of um, fasting to their calendar to commemorate national disasters. Now, that might sound a bit odd to our ears, but actually it's, 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 not, it's worth not being dismissive about because actually a good holistic culture knows both how to celebrate and how to mourn. We're not very good at either, to be honest. We probably need to grow in both. But they added four more to their calendar for a season um, to, to sort of commemorate particular national disasters. Now, when we get to, into the New Testament, the Gospels, we find the Pharisees that have been around for some time, a very strict religious sect, and they had introduced the pattern of fasting twice a week. So for two days every week, they would fast. Um, that was a Pharisaic um, tradition. John the Baptist and his disciples were known for fasting and kind of an ascetic kind of lifestyle. They were known for that, so much so that when Jesus and his disciples came along eating and drinking, that they were sort of contrasted and questions were asked. And, and, some, some, and some of John's disciples approached um, Jesus and said, why is it that, um, that, that we fast and you and your disciples don't? And Jesus said that they can't fast now because the bridegroom's among them. It's party time. But there will be a time when I'm gone and then they will fast. 
So Jesus said that there will be a time where his disciples will fast, when he's gone. Now, when is that? Well, some people say, oh, it's talking about the three days. It's talking about the time between his death and resurrection. It's then. And so they then therefore teach that there's no place for fasting now as Christians because he's come again, but by his spirit. Um, I don't think that really works biblically. Um, for a number of reasons, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you fast, talking to, talking to disciples, he assumes that fasting is a when, not an if, that all of us at some point as disciples will fast. And if you read through the New Testament, after Jesus' resurrection, you see the early church, Acts 13, Acts 14, fasting on certain occasions. So it's part of the normal Christian life to fast and pray. Um, I would, however, say this, that it is unusual. Now, let me just qualify what I mean by that. It's normal, but it's unusual. What I mean is this. I don't think it's wise to say to yourself, I'm just going to fast Wednesdays from now on. I don't think that's a wise idea. Because I think what will happen is over time, what will happen is is you won't eat on Wednesdays, but you won't really be fasting anymore. (laughs) Do you you understand what I'm saying? Because I think fasting is is predicated by an an unusual situation. Or a situation where you're particularly seeking God for something. Or something big's about to happen. We're about to lay hands on elders here. Uh, or we're particularly seeking God about something. So it is unusual, but it's part of the Christian life. Does that make sense? So I wouldn't advise you to just say, I'm going to do Wednesdays. I think you will lose momentum. You'll find yourself thinking, why am I doing this? I've been there. So um, speaking from experience. So, so I don't think that's the best way. Now, what are we going to fast for? Call for so why are we fasting then? Why are we going to fast? Well, me and Rich have spoken about it. And we just say we want us to fast together for harvest. We want us to fast as a church over this month on Fridays that God will give a great harvest of Londoners, that many Londoners will come to know Jesus. We want to fast for our city. What happens in this city has an impact on the world. And we want to see many, many people come to know Jesus Christ. We want to see many added to this church so we can take responsibility for people that we've won to Jesus and make disciples of them. We want to see many added to many other churches also. Okay, But we really want to pray. Let's pray for harvest. Let's seek God. Let's say, Lord, this isn't good enough. We believe that your heart is for harvest. You say the harvest is plentiful. We believe that you desire for no one to perish, but everyone to come to knowledge of the truth. And we're going to really lay a hold of God for harvest in our day. Okay, That's what we're calling you to. Now, you may, wanna, you may also want to kind of draw in something of particular personal pertinence. You might say, I'm gonna, yes, I'm in, and I'm also going to pray for kind of breakthrough in this area of my life. Fine. But corporately, we're going for harvest. Does that make sense? So it's not exclusive. If you might think, well, I really want to particularly pray into that as well and use this time for that, great. But please stand with us and pray for harvest. Let us know that on Fridays when we're, when we're feeling a bit hungry or feeling a bit tired or whatever, that we're, you know, because it's a sacrifice involved that there are brothers and sisters that we know and love that are standing together praying for the lost to be saved. That's good. That's powerful. That's important. So that's what we're going for. Um, and so let me just talk about a few things because I think some people can get a bit funny. Like, well, what, what, what? it's weird. Go without food and what? God's going to answer my prayers more. How does that work? It sounds a bit odd. So let me just try and help you understand what's going on with fasting. Fasting is an expression of a few things. Number one, fasting is an expression of earnestness. That you feel something earnestly and as a result, you're willing to go without certain necessities in order to express that you're very serious about something before God. That's actually not weird. That's normal. 
If you feel strongly about something, then you will often put aside things that you would normally do in order to give time to that. You're just expressing that you're earnest about something. It's not a magic formula by any means. But what you're doing is you're saying, God, we're really serious about this. It really matters. It really actually matters to us that people are lost. And, 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 and that you know, our, our culture's decaying around us. We've got generations of kids growing up and they really don't know their left hand from their right hand biblically. I mean, it's falling apart. You say, God, it matters. We're going to say, I'm going to go without certain necessities here because I'm going to seek your face. It's just an earnest, it's an expression of earnestness. It's an expression of desperation. You're saying, it matters this much. It's, a, it's actually pretty normal to express something you're feeling physically. So, for example, we might lift our hands in praise and worship. Why? Because we're expressing that we want to praise you. We want to just exalt you. We want to salute you. You don't say, well, that's weird. Surely I can, surely God will be just as praised if I don't lift my hands. Well, maybe. I don't know. But what? it's a crazy conversation. We're expressive people. You might say, well, I want to kneel to express, Lord, that you know, you are, I honour you, that I'm, I'm beneath you, your throne. You might say, well, I don't have to kneel to do that. Well, no, you don't have to kneel to do that. Of course you don't. But let's not have this silly argument. It's an expression. So fasting is an expression. You say, God, I'm desperate for this. Lord, there are people that you've put in my life and there's a blindness spiritually. Come on, Lord. You see, you're expressing something. It's also an expression of humility. What you're saying is, uh, these matters are not within my power. You're saying, Lord, you know what? I can't fix this. I can't fix the fact that this person has heard the gospel and it makes no sense to them. There's a spiritual thing going on here that I can't fix. And so, God, I'm just, I am crying out to you. Show your power. And, it, it, and I, I'm going to express the fact that this is beyond my power by almost dying a bit of a death today. Because essentially that's something of what's going on when you fast, aren't you? You're saying, I'm dying a bit of a death today. My energy levels aren't what they normally are. I don't feel as bubbly and bright as normal. You're dying a bit of a death, but you're saying, Lord, that your life might come. So you express, it's just expressing spiritual realities. You're expressing also um, a, a longing and a spiritual hunger. And so you, what, what happens is it's through fasting that you realign your appetites. You realign. You, you say, actually, I'm going I'm to say no to those appetites. They're not wrong, appetites for food, but I'm going to say no to them because I'm really serious about, um, how can I put it, really serious about giving attention to spiritual appetite today. They're not in conflict, but they can become in conflict. If, if, if your will is subject to your bodily appetites, then what happens is, is that your will becomes a slave of your bodily appetites. What fasting does is fasting exerts your will over your bodily appetites. They're not wrong as appetites, but when they rule you, it's a problem. So fasting says, I'm going to get my will in the right place where I say no, because I don't want to be under slavery to bodily appetites. I want to be in charge so that spiritual appetite can grow. Does that make sense? So you say, I don't want that sort of slavery. People can fall into it. Their, their will is subject to bodily appetites of food, drink, sex, and they just follow around, like, do whatever it says. And we've got to get the will over that. Paul says, I beat my body and make it my slave so I can win the race. So we're saying, no, I'm not going to. You know, today's a special day. We're going to realign things. And then the final thing, and this is what I really want to focus on um, before we finish, is the warfare element. Um, you find Jesus in the wilderness. He, he's fasting and there's this encounter with Satan, isn't there, where Satan tries to tempt him 
to do these things. Based in the context of, of warfare that we see fasting. Also, particularly, I want to just read from Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. This is a fascinating um, uh, um, account. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. He says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and, behold, uh, and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. And then he goes on to describe this extraordinary supernatural being that, um, that has come to him. And, um, and a hand touched, and he, he falls to the ground, he faints. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, listen to this, old Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and listen to this, and I have come because of your words. Wow. I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. This is an angelic being talking about another angelic being, but a satanic, a dark power withstood him. So there's a spiritual warfare thing going on 21 days over that three-week fast. There's a warfare going on in the heavenly realm. <coughs> but Michael, one of the chief princes, so another angelic being, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of per- kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is for days yet to come. So we see here that through Daniel's prayer and humbling himself, there is a, re- is a release, if you like. There's, his words are heard in heaven. There's a release of angelic help and power that comes. And as he's praying and fasting, he's probably thinking nothing's happening. You know that feeling? I'm praying nothing's happening. i tell you what, a lot is happening. Some serious stuff is going on in the unseen realm. There's a battle raging there. Now, the reality is, is that Jesus has overcome and disarmed Satan at the cross. We know that. We understand that. The final victory is assured. And yet the New Testament also is very, very clear that the battle continues now. So the war is won. We know the outcome. But the reality of spiritual warfare is very, very true for the Christian now who believes in the risen and victorious Lord Jesus. We are to stand. We are to pray. We are to watch. We are to put our armor on. So there's a warfare element. And so fasting really is like a weapon. It's a powerful weapon. It's like you've got prayer and then you've got prayer of fasting. So you've got daggers, then you've got swords. Yeah, you've got a pistol and you've got a cannon. It's like you've got prayer and you've got prayer with fasting. It's bringing out the big gun. It's saying, right, we're going really, to really get serious about this. It's a weapon in our armory to be used at certain times where we feel we've got to crack this. We know it's the will of God to do this, but we know there's opposition and we're going to crack it. Does that make sense? So there's this warfare element that we, that we take very, <coughs> very seriously and we believe for the release of angelic power to help us, the Bible says that that's what angels are for, to help those who can inherit salvation, that he will help us as a church, that the Father will help us as a church. One of the ways is through sending angelic help. We read accounts of Jesus being strengthened by angels. It's mysterious. There's not loads of stuff. I'm not going to build a huge doctrine on a few references, but it's there and says that there will be angelic help. We believe for that. And for angels to, to be um, waging effective warfare against demonic powers, because what happens is when there is breakthrough in the spiritual realm, it then follows through in the natural realm. 
So the Bible says that the God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds, the eyes of the unbelievers. There's a spiritual blindness going on there. We're going to pray and seek God. Say, Lord, remove that blindness. Jesus, that's what he does, doesn't he? He opens the eyes of the blind. Amen. Come on, Lord. He's the same yesterday's day and forever. Open the eyes of the blind, the spiritually blind. Jesus, please do it. And so that's, that's where we're going. And um, that's the plan. That's the purpose. Some do's and don'ts on fasting. Then we'll answer some questions. Um, so I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting that, you know, well, no, we'll do that later. Do's and don'ts. Don't see it as a disconnected thing. So, so the Lord really, really through, the, through Isaiah the prophet, really upbraids the people of Israel um, in Isaiah 58 for sort of having a, having a day of fasting. But basically they're still doing, in the way they live in their life is totally disconnected from it. And, and they're, they're being oppressive and they're being judgmental and they're being harsh. And he's saying, isn't this the fast I've chosen? You care for the poor. And it's a very famous passage, Isaiah 58. Make sure that you don't just say, well, okay, I'll fast on Friday. But actually it's disconnected from your heart, your life with God. It's, don't, that's, just, that's like magic. <laughs> that's like superstition. No, you mustn't do that. It's, it's, about, it's about an expression of, 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 of your heart for God's purpose and God's kingdom. And so make sure that you don't just kind of do it in a kind of a tick in the box sort of way. It's very connected to everything. Secondly, don't do it to impress others. Um, Jesus makes a point of that in Matthew 6. He says, you know, do your best to just kind of look normal. Um, continue to sort of wash and just look, look normal. You know, don't sort of drag yourself into work, you know, with your fasting badge on. Do you know what I mean? Don't do it. You know, um, but now there is a context here. in Jesus's context. If you if you if you'd been like the Pharisees and fasting, a lot of people would have respected you and thought, "Oh, aren't you amazing?" Whereas actually, in our context, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Um, so it's about pride. So it's not, so it's not this weird rule where you can never tell anyone. It's about just make sure that your motives are doing it for God, and not to be noticed and seen as spiritual. That's what that's what he's getting at. It doesn't mean you can't tell anyone. Just make sure that in your heart you're doing it to the Lord. Um, another one. Oh, this is a funny one. Should I say this or shan't? I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it. Um, beware embracing the bare minimum. Now, hear me on this. This is not about should you do one meal or two. This is about a heart attitude. <clears throat> don't adopt the attitude of I can't do it, or don't adopt the attitude of well I'll do what I can manage. <laughs> now be wise. But also do something whereby you've got to learn to trust God. Fasting is just hard. If you've not fasted much before, you might fast for a day and think that was ridiculous. I spent the whole day thinking about food. <laughs> was it worth anything? Yes, you're just not used to it. It's as simple as that. It's like the first time you go to a gym, you think, what am I doing here? This is awful. Yeah, well, you're just not used to it. Yeah, so don't, don't, don't fall for that. I remember when I was training for the 10K. I, I, I wasn't used to jogging. And I'm going for this jog. And such strong storylines developed in my mind about why I'm not made for jogging. It was really compelling. It was really, really compelling. And then I just sort of saw it in a moment. And I thought, I just, this is just hard work and horrible. And um, so I've developed this big story around it. None of us are made for fasting. It's a bit of a death. Um, it's what it is. It's a sacrifice. Okay? So um, <laughs> I'm having a good time in there. Um, but I want to just—I want to urge you against the kind of a cautious, timid spirit. Oh well, I, you know, I'll just kind of, you know, I'll just go without EastEnders, you know, that sort of. You know, I'll just do the bare minimum. You know what I mean? I'll just—I won't have a macchiato on Fridays. You know, that, 
guys, I want to ask you, come on. Do you know what I mean? Come on. Let's embrace some sacrifice for the harvest. Yeah? I hope that's okay. I hope you hear my hearty. I'm not trying to get you to, you know, but I'm just, come on. Let's go on the stretch. Let's, let's push through. Let's embrace a bit of discomfort. Um, one of the gods of our society is comfort and pleasure. And, it, and so it, when you embrace this comfort, it just feels odd and weird. Just, just get used to it. We become big. Yeah? So, uh, um, also, um, another a do, prepare yourself physically and spiritually. Prepare yourself. Here's what I mean. Um, if you're into caffeine and sugar, don't, go, don't, go, don't do what you normally do until Thursday night. Because on Friday, you will basically be in a corner holding your head crying all day. <laughs> right? It doesn't need to be that bad. Okay? Slow down in the days running up. Slow down. So that when you fast on Friday, physically, your head's not banging from 8 a.m. If you're prone that way. Some people are a bit more robust physically. They can cut out caffeine sugar and not even notice it. Other people, it's like, you know, you sort of fall apart. Recognize that. Adapt your week in the run-up. It's just, just wisdom, isn't it? So you're preparing yourself. Prepare yourself spiritually. So just kind of get your head and your mind, the spirit of your mind around the fact that this is going to be a, a little bit of a challenge at times and um, embrace that. Oh, here's another one. Please don't arrange any rev dinner parties on Fridays. Please don't do that. It's not going to help us. It's something we're doing corporately. And you might say, my birthday's on a Friday in January. Month. Fine, fine. It's not, it's not law. I'm just saying, please be helpful. <laughs> In what you arrange. Please just think ahead and think, oh, it's a Friday, it's fasting day. Otherwise, even if you've decided not to fast, others that you're inviting might be conflicted by what you're doing. Yeah, please. So I just would ask you, can we just have it as fasting day on Friday um, this month? Um, And finally, don't do it to earn points with God. (laughs) You you don't earn merit through doing it. It's not like you somehow become more loved because you fasted. God loved us when we were in a total mess. And sent his only son to die for us. What, what more? You know, he's demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. This doesn't, this doesn't earn points. This doesn't create, oh, now God must really love me. Listen, God, God doesn't love you because you're lovely. God loves you because he's perfect in love. So don't fall into that trap, whatever you do. This is not about point scoring. This is not about kind of trying to... Um, this, this, this comes out of a place of just saying, Lord, we want to learn how to walk with you in the things you're doing. Because getting saved, is, you get saved by grace. You just get born into God's family as a free gift, paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Okay? He's, he's, he bore your sins in his body on the tree. So as a result of that, you can be totally forgiven as you trust in Christ and repent of your sins. Okay? Wonderful. That is the gift of God. But then as you're brought into his family by grace, he says, I want you to grow up in my family and we're going to learn to work together in the things of the kingdom. We're going to learn to co-labor. We're going to take some ground. You get gathered up into the purposes of God. And so things like fasting and praying, it's just about coming to maturity and saying, Lord, I want to co-labor with you. Lord, I'm willing to experience just like a tiny taste of your sufferings and difficulties. I could never, you know, that what you did was unique, but I'm willing to fellowship with you in your sufferings, even if it's going without some meals, you know, but in order to know you better and see your kingdom come. Do you understand? That's, that's the heart of it. It's about saying, Lord, I really want to grow into. And that's, that's, that's what God's got us on with this. With, with this sort of um, plan A prayer. We recognise that the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. It's the church. It's always been the church. And so we're going to say, Lord, we want, we want you to make us big people because we really care about the city and we want to plant multiple churches all around this city. 
And we want to reach this city for your kingdom. We want to reach the city for your fame, Jesus. We want to see lives turned around. We want to see households restored. We want to see all of that stuff. And so we're engaging with that for that future vision where the Bible says those who sow in tears will reap with joy. You might shed a little tear on Friday when you, you know, you daydreaming about your carrot and coriander soup at lunchtime, which you didn't manage to have. You sow in tears and you will reap with joy. Yeah, we're learning. So it's not just instant gratification. We're going for, going for the good stuff, we're investing in the kingdom stuff. Yeah. So there we have it. Hope that helps. Any questions? Yes. If you can alter your rhythm so that you've got more time to rest and more time to pray, that's really great. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do all you can to be wise. So what I'm saying, I'm saying don't shrink back from sacrifice, but be wise at the same time. So I think it's a really good thing if you've got the kind of job that enables you in some way to do that. And also if you can, you know, if you can just make some space to pray at mealtimes, that's really, really helpful because you feel like, oh, I know why I'm doing this now. If you can't, Here's the thing. There have been times in my life where I thought, literally, because of a particular season or whatever, I'm fasting, but I, there's no extra time to pray. Then what I say is this. I say, Lord, let this fast be a prayer to you. That's what I say. I say, Lord, let this fast be a prayer to you. He knows. He understands. Yeah, the end. Sure. Is it, is it just... Is it, um, is it just about fasting? Is it about prayer and fasting? Essentially, it's about prayer and fasting. Because I think otherwise, what, ends up, what you're not doing is you end up not eating, but you, end up, you don't know why. <laughs> that's, that's, a hard, that's a hard gig, yeah? So I'm not eating, but I don't really feel that there's any purpose to this. So I would say that you're, what, you're, what you're learning to do is that you're learning to lift up your soul to God. Now, that's a good thing to do anyway. But sometimes when you fast, it just hones your focus. And then what you find is the days following the fast, that something's been realigned during that day, and that it just feels much more natural to focus on God. So there was a famous evangelist called Charles Finney, and he would say, whenever I found I got to that point where I was just spiritually dry, and I just felt like, you know, it wasn't the same anymore, I'll just fast for a day. And it was almost like a way of kind of just pressing reset. And, it, you know, it can, be a bit, can, sound, can sound a bit formulaic, but I think what he was saying was he discovered that through the act of fasting and just focusing more on God, it just kind of helped him to, to realign. But we can so quickly just become distracted. Yeah. So practically speaking, I think I don't I think you can make your decision, really, to be honest on that. I mean, it's possible that you have dinner on Thursday and then after dinner, you decide that you're going to break your fast at dinner, even on Friday. You could do it that way, particularly if you have got a special event on a Friday or thing, you know, that could work. Um, You could just say from midnight, uh, Thursday, Friday, midnight point, um, and then I'll have breakfast on Saturday, just have nothing all through all through the day Friday. Um, yeah, you could do you could you could do the sunrise to sunset thing. Yeah, that's that's not a problem. I think according to your conscience, really, I don't think we're feeling really uptight about legislating to that degree. But I think you know, I think as long as all, if we could all just be on the stretch with God, and we're all in different places, something in terms of maturity and experience. So it would be unfair to say this is how exactly we all do it. That would that that would be a bit unfair. But we say look, the, the the spirit of it is, let's learn how to get hold of God together. For the lost. Do you see what I mean? I think as we all engage with that, then what's coming up to the Lord is a very pleasing aroma. 
rather than people, people being asked to do something that's actually way beyond them. Or people being asked to do something that's actually it's not really a sacrifice. You know, if we said, look, we know that not many of us are fasted, let's just kind of, you know, let's just sort of skip chocolate at lunch times. You know, for some of you, you'll be like, man, alive, you know, I don't eat chocolate at lunchtime anyway. So you put the bar really low. So we're saying, look, go on the stretch with God. Yeah? yeah? Abby. Sure. If, if there are medical reasons around why you um, ought not to, to fast and things like that, <clears throat> then I think you've just got to almost be before God and say, Lord, you know, what, 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 would be, what would be an appropriate manifestation of kind of earnestness? You know what I mean? And just, just be before God and talk to friends and get counsel. It would be hard, it would be hard to answer sort of publicly because, again, you end, up, you end up sort of saying something creating something that's just a bit like, it doesn't work for certain people, but I think that the heart of it is, Lord, I, my heart is to, is, to, is to join with the body on this day and pray together. How can I express that? And just do it. And we've got three Fridays, so you can sort of learn as you go and adjust a bit. So, that, you know, so don't, don't put yourself under like horrible sort of pressure. Because this should be like a really good spiritual adventure for us where we learn together about fasting. Ed. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing about keeping it secret, it's all about heart motivation. If you know that your heart is to find out more about fasting, talk with anyone you like. If your heart is to show someone that, that you're really spiritual, you, the Holy Spirit will prick your conscience. At that point, <laughs> yeah, so I think you've just got to be able to be true to yourself and, and know what you're really thinking. Yeah, Frank. Yeah. Because of G, yeah. Why don't we do the sackcloth and ashes thing? It's, essentially, it's probably because of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, where actually Daniel says, I didn't anoint myself for three weeks. Jesus explicitly says, when you fast, anoint yourself. And so now he is, again, speaking into hypocrisy there because he does exactly the same on giving, <clears throat> on praying and on fasting, speaking into hypocrisy. But I think that, again, if it, was a, if it was a corporate fast, then that wouldn't apply because we all know we're fasting. If there were a culturally appropriate way <clears throat> to express that we're mourning, then that would be, that would be fine. Maybe, you know, if... It, I haven't, but I think, I think for example, imagine, imagine if something really terrible happened in our nation and, and we said, guys, we've just got to... We, we just want to fast for a day and just, just mourn before God. It might be appropriate to say, can we wear black? Why? Because that's a culturally appropriate expression of mourning. Does that make sense? That's what we do at funerals. Um, unless we're explicitly asked not to. That's what we do. So that, that could be appropriate. Um, but that's what, ripping your, ripping your garments and that stuff, that was a very expressive culture um, who, 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 who didn't keep their mourning behind closed doors, unlike, unlike English. So, yeah, we have to work out what is it, what's an, a culturally appropriate way to do it. So, yeah. Asha. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> biblically fasting from non-food items is not a thing no so fasting generally is about food but there's a, I guess there's a principle of saying um, 
you know, there's a, there's, there's a, there, you could say that there's a sacrificial principle of saying during this season, I'm going to go with that just because I really want to pray about this. I probably wouldn't call it fasting. But I think it's totally appropriate. Sometimes it's totally right to say, I just want to really, really want to get hold of God, pray more than I am. Um, what I'm going to do is for the next six months, I'm not going to watch that program that take, takes up an hour a week. And I'm going to give time to praying for that. That's brilliant. That's a really helpful thing to do. But probably it does confuse the issue to call it fasting. Yeah. Last question, Rachel. That's a really good question. Is there a reason why we didn't put a corporate prayer night on the Friday um, and instead of on the Wednesday? It could, have, it could have been, you might have to help me out here, Adam, Rich, I can't remember the process, but it could have been because we were, felt we were probably more likely to be able to gather as many as possible midweek. Because I think even if you're fasting on Friday, there, t- there tend to be things that go on that, that, that people go to. I don't know, maybe it's just a bad call. <laughs> it's a great idea. Why didn't we do it? No idea. <laughs> help us. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. All right. So we're going to respond to the Lord now in the bread and wine. And um, hopefully you feel, you feel a bit more, you feel up for it? Yeah. A bit fasting? Yeah. Feel like you know, you know what it's about and what we're doing. Good stuff. Well, why don't we stand to our feet? I'll lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Should we pray together? Father, thank you so much that all of your creation is good. Thank you for the joy of all the good things in life. And Lord, we, never, we don't want to become those people that end up calling something bad that you call good. We bless you for food and drink. We bless you for good fun. We bless you for celebrations and parties. Um, and yet no, we know, Lord, we live in a broken world. We live in an age of urgency. And we know, Lord, that there are sometimes special measures to be taken. And um, I pray that you would help us as we take this special measure. Lord, on Fridays, you would help us to seek your face. We pray that, that it would be a, a genuine kind of uh, offering of a, a petition that's pleasing to you, Lord, that, it's, that, you know, that you would help to increasingly align our heart with yours as we fast and pray for the lost, that we would find ourselves caring more. Pray that, Lord. We would really care. This wouldn't be a numbers game. This wouldn't be how, how can we get a big church. It would be about loving people. It would be about, you know, really carrying your heart, Lord God, of compassion that you showed us. You showed us compassion when we was a million miles away, Lord, and here we are today. Help us to carry, Lord, that same urgency in our heart, that same jealous love for lost people in our heart, Lord. So just help us, help us to take the hit physically, help us to be wise, help us to um, do all that we should to... Um, to, to, to grow in co-laboring with you in this area, Jesus. And we just want to end by saying, Lord, thank you that all of this is by grace. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you for your broken body. As we sing now and <clears throat> take the bread and take the wine, Lord, we just bless you that we, we, we stand in the grace of God. We grind strong in the grace of God. We thank you. We're set free by the grace of God. We thank you for all that you've done, Jesus. We just honor you. We bless you. We love you. We thank you that you're with us. Amen. Amen.